Would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Romans, the 12th chapter? In just a moment, I'm going to refer to that as we do. Let me remind all of you that last week we began a series with you called GPS, Navigating Life. And in that, we begin to talk about the process of how that you and I are called as believers especially to navigate life, how that we live that life. And today, we're just going to continue that. So as you're turning to the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, I'm going to get there in just a moment. Let me greet our campuses today. I'm glad you're with us. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And whether you're in Cordova or Craneville or Henderson or Savannah or even South Jackson, we welcome you today. We're thankful for what God is doing throughout all of our campuses. Come on, let's do that together for all of our campuses today. We welcome you today. Now, the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, would you look there, verse 1 and 2? I'm reading out of the New International Version of the Bible. It says, Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, today I'm going to talk on this subject. Here's what I want to talk about today. It's time to change. Come on, would you say that with me? It's time to change. Let's say it one more time. It's time to change. Now, I don't know how many of you have noticed. I would think most of us have picked up on this. But over the past 10, 20, at least the last 25 years, the culture of our nation has changed greatly. And what's happened is is that the culture has a tendency to try to conform us into what it is instead of being transformed into what God tells us to be. And so we have to learn how to come against that. Now, here's what culture is. Culture is defined by what we think and how we believe in relation to the world. It's in relation to God, also to our family, to sexuality, to work, and to leisure. It affects, in fact, everything about life. And yet the Word of God tells us that Jesus came preaching, and here was Jesus' message. Jesus said, repent, or change your mind. That's what the word repent means. Change your mind, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is telling us that in our lives that we cannot be conformed to this world, but that we have to be transformed. That word conformed means to be pressed in and to be molded and to be made like what you are around. Jesus said, that's not what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you to be transformed. Now, the word transformed or transformation is related to metamorphosis. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you remember, uh, you know, eighth grade science or, you know, biology or something that you studied me- metamorphosis? Anybody? All right. Now, I- I'm not going to take all the time to explain that. It's just a whole lot simpler for me to take about 60 seconds and to show you what metamorphosis is. So would you look at this as more as we show you what metamorphosis is?
Now, if anybody would have told you on the first day when you saw that caterpillar that several days later it was going to be a beautiful monarch butterfly and you did not understand the process of metamorphosis, you would say that person is crazy. Because have you ever seen a caterpillar? Come on. I mean, they're ugly. They're crawling around. They're, I mean, they're, they're things you want to step on. Right? And, and yet, that's, that's kind of how we are when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ. You, you know what? When, when you get saved, what begins to happen is, is, is that, yes, you come in a relationship, but there, there begins this gradual change on the inside that is then beginning to be reflected and produces change on the outside. Now, here, here's what I want to tell you. Caterpillars were born to fly, but they've got to change. You and I, according to Scripture, were born to have abundant life. Jesus said, the thief comes but for to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I am come that you would have life and it more abundantly. But I want to tell you, for you to get to that place of experiencing that abundant life, you have got to change. And and so this this transformation happens in our lives. And and so as Christians, we undergo a a truly a complete change when we come under the power of God and we begin to allow Him to work in our character and in our conduct of life. Now, let let me explain to you. Living out this transformation, we're going to kind of break it down here the next few minutes. Those two verses I, I showed you there talks about two different things. It talks about that transformation has to be in our body and in our mind. And, and so I, w- I want to kind of show that to us today of how we go about doing that. Look, look there in the first verse of Romans chapter 12. He, here's, here's what the Apostle Paul said, and I'll, I'll paraphrase here. He says, hey guys, uh, because of God's mercy, now remember the mercy of God. The mercy of God is this, the best way to sum it up, mercy means God does not give you what you deserve. Right? I deserve judgment, I deserve penalty, I deserve death, I deserve anything negative that could come. That's what I deserve in the natural, and yet mercy says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Grace is a twin sister to mercy. Grace says, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. I'm going to give you my power. I'm going to save you. I'm going to bring you in a relationship with me. And so the grace and the mercy of God go hand in hand, and in our lives we're able to use that. So the Apostle Paul writing here said, look, I want you to understand, because of God's mercy, I want you to offer your bodies as a, there's two words there. He says, I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, how many of you know that that's an oxymoron? That's two things that don't go together, right? Living and sacrifice, I mean, mean, we've all seen the movie, you sacrifice, right? You plunge the knife in and it dies. And yet Scripture says you and I are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. So the first aspect of this transformation is living out life as a living sacrifice to God. And, and he goes on to say, which is uh, your acceptable worship. Now, think about that. We thought worship was when we came into church and lifted our hands, and that's part of it. But the Scripture says presenting your body as a living sacrifice is true spiritual worship. Now, how do I go about doing that? How, how do I live my life as a living sacrifice? Well, well, first of all, is that I have to be devoted to pleasing God. Amen? How many of you remember when you were dating? Come on. When you were dating, 
Come on, let me say that again. How many of you remember when you were dating? You better get your hand up, big boy. You big dummy. I just gave you the greatest opportunity ever, and you sat there and looked at me. All right? Come on, man. That was, that was like, oh, yes! Hallelujah! I remember. All right? In, in that dating process, remember in that dating process, you were, you were totally devoted. I mean, you, you whatever. I, you know, oh, if that's what you want, baby, I'm going to get it for you. I'm going to... Some of y'all need to go back and start dating again, not somebody else. You need to start dating the one you're with. All right? Don't, don't, don't play that. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. That ain't what I'm talking about. Don't you dare go there. All right? Uh, but but there, that's what, you know, that, and that's what the Scripture is talking to us about, is about being devoted to God. To, I, I'm living my life. A living sacrifice means I am sacrificing my desires. I mean, let me ask a question. How many men, and, and, and again, you can tell the truth here, how many men don't like sharing their food? I hate it. I, I'll, I, I will buy her whatever she wants. I'll get her two of whatever. But if I order it, come on. I wanted it. And I didn't want to share half of my dessert. And when I get that question, well, can I have some? I just, oh, Jesus, come quickly. I mean, it's, it's just really, I'll buy you one. Get your own. Eat all of it you want. Eat none. I don't care if you take one bite and throw it away. Why do you want mine? But Friday night, she asked me, And I sacrificed my desires. And I said, sure, you can have whatever. Now, here's the deal. Is that in that whole aspect there, we have to understand this, that that living life is more than sharing your dessert. Trust me. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's living that life of saying, God, I, I want to sacrifice what I want. Because there are a lot of desires. Now, maybe you're more religious than I am. There are a lot of desires that I have that... Well, they just don't match up. I mean, I've wanted to smack some people. I've wanted to run over some people. I, I've wanted, some of y'all know that you can tell I'm an aggressive driver. I mean, there, there's, there's those moments that I just, I go, really? But, but living out a lifestyle of Christianity means that I will sacrifice my desire. It, it goes back to the fruit of the Spirit. You, you know that scripture where it says, and, and actually when you read that, it doesn't say fruits. It says fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, self-control. Go, goes through all that thing. And, uh, and I thought that there would be a moment where I would have it. There'd be a moment I would have joy unspeakable and full of glory. And, and I would never have to worry about it again. I would just live with joy. But it didn't happen. Peace, gentleness, all those things. And, and what I found is, is that it's a daily process. Now, let me help you about fruit. How, how many of you have ever bought bananas today and tomorrow they're brown? Right? How many of you know fruit goes bad? Do I need to explain this analogy to you? All right? In your life, just because you are dwelling with the fruit of the Spirit today, whatever part of that that it is, doesn't mean that tomorrow... 
You're not going to have to deal with that all over again. So that's, that's where it's talking about when it says that we are present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Day in and day out, I present my body as a living sacrifice. I lay down my ambitions to do what God's called me to do. Now, it, it talks about that we are holy. And that word holy scares a lot of us. Here's what holy means. For you to be holy just means you have been set apart or consecrated to God. Now, I hope you're holy. If you are a Christian, you are to be holy. Why? Because I've been set apart to God. And it says uh, that that my worship is acceptable. And that word acceptable there means that it's well-pleasing to God. So how am I I bringing worship that's well-pleasing to God? Just when I come into the house of God and the band's playing? Is that? No. It's in my lifestyle day in and day out as I live a life that is a sacrifice unto God, then I am bringing forth this process of worship that is pleasing to God and that God is accepting my worship. But it doesn't stop there. The Word of God goes on to say uh, in verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed any longer to this world, but be what? transformed by the renewing of the mind. So, so we, the first part is we lay our lives down daily. Secondly, is that we have to be transformed. Now, you, you remember the little video we showed just a moment ago? How many of you know that the transformation process is not something that the caterpillar has to work to make happen? Understand what I mean by that? The caterpillar doesn't say, I want to be a butterfly. I want to be a butterfly. I sure would like to be a butterfly one day. And, you know, when all caterpillars get together, they talk about one day. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that about Christians? Christians get together one day. Can you imagine, you know, you you have a, what would a gathering of caterpillars be? I don't know, caterpillar. They've all come together, and they're talking to each other about one day we're going to be caterpillars. When, when we get better, we're going to be a butterfly. When one, no, no, no. Caterpillars just naturally evolve and move into that. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. The, the Word of God says that we are to be transformed. What that means is don't be squeezed into the world's mold. Don't be like the world. That's talking about our actions, our attitude, and our lifestyle. How many of you have found yourself being squeezed into the world's mold? Would you hold your hand there just a second? Would you look to the right and the left of you, and if somebody does not have their hand up, just push them over. (laughs) Because they're dead, and we need to lay them down. All right? I mean, daily, we get conformed, we get pressed in, we get pushed into that. But the Bible says that we are to be transformed, that we are to be in this process, and it's a natural process. It's not something that I accomplish. It begins at salvation, but it continues throughout my life. It's, it's, a, it's an, a, a word, kind of an old school word, but it's the word sanctification. It, it's moving into everything that God has called us to move into. And so if I'm going to be that, then I've got to come, and, and, there, and there's a process of moving from being the caterpillar to becoming the butterfly. And that is to, to move into the cocoon stage and all the process that goes into there, and then all of a sudden, there, before he actually gets there, there's the molting of the, of the, the skin and all the stuff that happens there. And, and then inside there, there's a process that takes place. The New Testament shows us in our lives what the process is. Now, let me help you. I want everybody to hear pastor clearly. Listen carefully. 
I believe that according to Scripture, it is by grace through faith that we're saved, that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, lest any person boast. Can I settle that with you? You're saved by grace. All right? The Scripture goes on to say, though, that he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So I believe one of the things that, that has been a, a real conundrum to me over the past several years, and I just saw a statistic that said that of the people who make a profession of faith in, in America, that somewhere around only 20% of them are being baptized. Now, listen carefully to what pastor is saying. I believe with all of my heart that baptism is part of the process of being moved into everything that God wants us to be. All right? Does baptism save you? I'm not saying baptism saves you. I'm saying baptism is part of the process. When you study Scripture, it's interesting to me how we don't study the Word of God. The Word of God tells us in Acts chapter 2 that when they preach, that the Bible says that they were baptized that day. Acts chapter 8, they went down and, and preached in Samaria. They're baptized right then. The apostle Paul, who was then Saul, when he gets struck down, he has this encounter with God. When he meets Ananias, he gets baptized. Can you tell I'm passionate about this? Acts chapter 10, household of Cornelius, they received the Holy Spirit. And, but it says, that, but as of yet, none of them had been baptized. So they took them out and baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 19, uh, Paul meeting certain disciples of John said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? We don't know what that is. He said, how were you baptized? We were baptized under John's baptism. He said, uh, you need to be baptized. John's baptism was good, but he baptized them again. Now, if that's not enough, the Scripture says that Jesus came to John to be baptized of him to fulfill all Scripture. Now, if Jesus needed to be baptized, do, do, I, do I even need to go anywhere else? But I will. Colossians, the second chapter. Let me give you the understanding. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says, In him you were also circumcised. It's that Old Testament covenant thing. And the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ. And he says, okay, let me explain what I'm talking about. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. He said, just as Old Testament, that the sign of the covenant was circumcision, he said in the New Testament, the sign of the covenant is baptism, and it is in reference to what Jesus Christ has done for you. Romans 6, verse 3 and 4 says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him in baptism into death in, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I, I want to tell you, part of this transformative work that needs to happen in our life, if that, I mean, think about this. The, the, the caterpillar has to go into the cocoon and in the cocoon, there is a change that happens. 
Now, I want to tell you, yes, I believe that baptism is a symbol of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, I believe uh, that, you know, it's a public declaration of faith. I understand all of that. But I also believe that there is a spiritual work that happens in baptism that takes place in our lives when we are baptized in the name of the Lord. Something happens to us, and we are, the Bible says we, we go down in baptism signifying his death, but we arise to walk in newness of life. And so I challenge you today, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you've never been baptized, it's part of the transformative work. If you want to get out of the place and move into the place that God has for you for everything, then part of that process is baptism. And then the scripture goes on, and, and Colossians continues to talk about, uh, Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. The, the fourth aspect, and we mentioned this earlier, the fourth aspect is that you have to renew your mind. Now, I want to tell you, when, 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 that, when that caterpillar goes in to the cocoon, there's some struggle that's going to take place. Let me ask you a question. How many of you ever have a thought you shouldn't have? Again, look to left and right and push them down. If their hand's not up, I mean, <laughs> they are dead. All right? I mean, there's always these thoughts that, that run through our mind. And, and yet, what, what happens to us is, is the Bible says that we have to renew our mind. Now, now get this. For the cocoon... To produce the butterfly, there has to be a struggle. Let me, let me say it again. If you ever see a cocoon with a butterfly trying to get out, the worst thing you can do is to cut it open and let that butterfly loose. Because it is through the process of its moving its wings against the structure of that cocoon that the butterfly begins to be strengthened and its wings begin to take shape. And as it pushes, all of a sudden it gets strong enough that it is able to break through the barrier of that cocoon and then it is able to come out, but it still cannot fly. There is still a process, and I'm not trying to bore you with science, but get it, there is still a process that has to take place, and those wings have to dry off, and there has to come then the fluttering of the butterfly to move into everything that it has. Just as that is true in a natural process of metamorphosis, it's also true in the process of a believer. You and I need to understand that everything that we struggle against is not from the devil. Some of us need to quit rebuking the devil and start learning from what God is taking us through. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul said, these light afflictions are working in me for the greater glory. Now let's talk about his light afflictions. He said, on numerous times I was beaten with 39 stripes. He said, I was in prison. I was shipwrecked. I was abandoned, I was in hunger, I was thirsty. He went through all these things, and then he said, but these are light afflictions. I mean, if it rains, people can't come to church. I mean, if one kid gets a runny nose, the whole family stays home to wipe it. 
and the apostle. Sorry, I just had to pastor for a minute. I don't know what happened right there. The apostle Paul said, they beat the stew out of me. They threw me in the prison. He said, I was in bonds and in chains. And he said, but these are light afflictions that are working a far greater glory in me. Think about that. Could it be that the struggle that we are in is going to produce in us the beauty of flight if we will not run from the cocoon of the moment? If we will not leave the pressure of what is happening in our life and we will allow God to form in us until there is a breakthrough that comes in our life. And I want to tell you, when you have a breakthrough that you have prayed through and that you have brought, not something that somebody else did for you, all of a sudden there is a strength that comes in you that says, I may get knocked down, but I'm getting back up because I know. I know that I've gone through that, but these light afflictions are working in me a much greater glory. This whole process of transformation is, is something that I think that the church misses out on because watch this. If you were to have seen that caterpillar or you were to have seen the cocoon and you had never seen a butterfly, you would not think that it was going to be a very beautiful thing. And a lot of times we look at each other in the kingdom of God and and all that we see is a, something that doesn't look that good. And so we start judging each other. And we start saying, well, if they were really saved, if they, if they really had it together, if they really, and, and, and maybe they're in that caterpillar stage. Maybe, maybe they're still in the cocoon. Maybe they haven't come out yet. Maybe they're on the outside of the cocoon, but the wings haven't opened yet. And instead of us judging See, God looks at the end product, not at the beginning. In fact, Scripture says it this way. It says when God gets ready to create anything, He goes to the end and completes it before He ever begins it. Have you ever read things in Scripture and you just went, huh? Come on, anything, anything you ever read in Scripture, you went, wow, really? There's, there's a Scripture in the book of Hebrews that says, and Abraham staggered not at the promises of God. I love that scripture. I'm, praise God, I want to be like Abraham. And, and so we build ourselves up. We say, I want to be like Abraham. But have you ever read the Old Testament? I mean, Abraham lied about his wife. She's my sister. She's my wife. She's my sister. She's my wife. I don't know who she is. She's... Abraham sleeps with his wife's servant to have a baby. Now, that won't get you too many good points. I mean, there's all, I mean, in fact, when I, look, when I read that scripture, Abraham staggered not the promises of God, and then I look at the Old Testament, he looks drunk to me, he's staggering so much. And yet, God can come into the book of Hebrews because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and when he looks back through the cross of Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed for, for our sins, he says not that Abraham was a cocoon or, or he was a caterpillar. He says, I see Abraham and he staggered not at my promises. What is it God sees about you? 
Everybody else may see a lot of things, but God sees you as a finished product. You and I have got to come to that place where we live in that. Now, let me close with this. Let me, let me help you in daily life and how that you get there. How, how do I move into this? Navigating life daily. Number one is this. Meditate on God and His ways. Turn the television off. Get off Facebook. And don't be Twittering anybody. Whatever it is that your, you know, your addiction is, lay it down. Turn the television. You know, whatever. Turn the radio. Whatever. Just get, get yourself and meditate on God. Just, just on his ways, on his word, what his word says, you know, in, in the word of God. Secondly, spend time in communication with God. Now, I dress that up. That just means pray. Pray. Talk to God. And lastly, take time for worship. Remember what worship is, presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's worship. So take time to do that. I, I, I'll remind you of something I shared with you a few weeks ago, and, and it goes right hand in hand with this. I talked to you about RPMs. RPMs are read the word daily, pray daily, and meditate daily. Same thing. That's how you're transformed. And watch what happens. Just as that caterpillar goes in the cocoon and nobody can see what's happening until it breaks forth, you, as you spend time with God, nobody knows what's taking place. But as you begin to break forth in the everything that God has for you, people will start saying things to you about, man, what's different about you? I watch you. I see this. And it's not anything that you have done through rigid legalism and trying to make it happen. It is simply because you have allowed the transformative work of Jesus Christ to flow through you to produce that greater glory in your life. And that's what God's called us to. Amen?